The time has come to get ready for the 2022 World Cup. And what better way to prepare than by revisiting the World Cup's most amazing goals? I'm Brian Phillips. I'm making a podcast about the history of the Men's World Cup, told through the stories of 22 iconic goals. The show's called 22 Goals. It's out now on the Ringer Podcast Network, and we're having so much fun. It's the Ringer NBA show presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find out what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available. And listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older. 18 and older in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of Weekends. I'm your host, Big Waz, a.k.a. Wazney Lambre, and I'm joined, man. Super excited to have this brother on the show today. He's the beat writer for The Athletic of the Los Angeles Clippers. He's a homie of mine. Law Murray, what's going on, brother? East Coast represent, Waz. Yeah, we got a rep, man. Philly, my young boy from Philly. Obviously, y'all know I'm a New York City guy. Super excited to have you on the show today because we haven't really touched on the Clippers much, either here or group chat because of all the, you know, the sort of confusion around the lineups to start the season. So it's felt like the the thoughts are incomplete about this team. But, you know, I wanted to talk to you, Law, mainly because... Man, I talked to a decent amount of media people before the season. And personally, I was shocked by how many people felt the Clippers were going to win the championship this year. Yeah, the Athletic, as you know, we have a lot of people on staff, really talented group of beat writers, national writers, editors, etc. And when they saw how many people were in on the Clippers, not just getting out the West, but possibly winning the championship, it's like, well, listen, you got to write about how, you know, everyone's on the Clippers. And I, and I was like, oh, this isn't this is going to be awkward, you know, because I'm not one of those people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, like I've definitely never been accused of being in the bag for the L.A. Clippers. So yeah. that was an interesting piece because normally not that I take a wind horse approach to never doing any predictions or anything like mm-hmm. that. But, you know, I I generally like to 
do predictions related to how teams are going to perform process-wise instead of just talking about who's going to win the championship or who I think is going to be those two teams in the finals or stuff like that, especially the team I'm covering. Like, I got to deal with it on a daily basis. I do want to get into the process, though, because I think the theory, from what I can best, you know, gather from talking to the people that I talk to, was one, you know, the last time we saw Kawhi Leonard in the postseason, he was dominant. He was as good as anybody I've ever seen play in the playoffs, dominant against the Mavs. That's a fact. Paul George is who he is. Incredible number two. Op- like, I don't know you can ask for a better number two than what, like, you know, on certain teams, if the construction is right, he's a damn good number one. You know, I, I think Paul George is just an incredible player. And, it- and there's been moments this season where he's looked like, Easily a top 10 NBA player, probably a top five wing. And so, you know, Paul George is who he is. And then, you know, I know you heard this a trillion times. The Clippers are the deepest team in the NBA, Law. Functionally, what what does that mean, deepest in the NBA, before they got on the floor for the first 15 games of the season? It's not just that they're deep. It's they're deep with respects to a certain amount of positions, right? Mm -hmm. So they're wing heavy. It's not like they have a lot of centers, clearly. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone's (laughs) like, what are you going to do? It's funny, Waz, like we always talk about how the center position is decreasing in value on a yearly basis. it's still very important. It's still very important. And then, you know, you get to the Clippers and be like, what are they going to do without a backup center? As if... My man, Avisa Zubats, isn't Ty Lue's first adjustment when he got to come back from down 20. You you know what I'm saying? (laughs) So the Clippers were like, we're not going to seriously consider another center uh, until further notice, Mm -hmm. which we all know further notice is the buyout market. But that's 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 for later. Right. That's for when spring gets here. And then the point guard position, they get John Wall to a team that last year didn't have a backup point guard, basically like Ty wanted to start Eric Bledsoe with Reggie together. And predictably that did not work out. <laughs> Eric eventually got his own unit and started to play better when he wasn't asked to watch Reggie <laughs> dribble the basketball. <laughs> and then they trade Eric for Norm and, and Rocco. Again, a great trade, a trade that made them a lot more, let's just say wing heavy. Mm-hmm. And then Norm gets hurt in a week. Terrence Mann basically had to play backup point guard most of last year. So you get John Wall and you're like, well, you just shored up a position that was actually in need of some reinforcements. You got a rookie, Jason Preston. He's back. So you're not worrying about point guard anymore. Everybody else is a wing, was. Everybody else is wing or wing adjacent. You know, they were a small forward at some point of their life. And that's where the depth was. It was not just the the amount of players, but the amount of guys who could play respectable NBA rotation minutes. And the Clippers have 12 of those guys. And they don't include Jason Preston or Brandon Boston Jr., who are two really intriguing young guys who have been hanging out in the G League all month. Okay, so here's the thing about the Clippers and their quote-unquote death because, look, I'm not Johnny come lately. I didn't believe in the theory of this team. One, because just because, to be honest, what the Nuggets did to them in the bubble will forever stick with me because I think it was about more than talent. It was about a sort of connectedness 
and continuity that the team never established. And when they got punched in the mouth, there was no there was no organizing principle about how they would address that, right? So I don't, like, and a team that's like, your best player missed all of last year. He's missing time this year. Guys are in and out of lineups. You working in all of these new people. I'm like, how are they going to address that fundamental issue that every team faces in the postseason? Where it's not about, do you have the guys that, can, you know, do the correct box out or, you know, make sure the Memphis Grizzlies don't gash you on the offensive boards or, you know, you make the correct rotation when the Warriors are doing their ball movement stuff and you help off of the right guys. Like, it's not that you don't have guys that are incapable of doing the things I just mentioned, these little things that happen possession by possession in the postseason. It's like, are they in the practice of doing it together? Is there trust? Like, these things have not been built. So, like, outside of talent, I'm just like, I don't know if the Clippers got that. That's a one. And two, your best player has an injury that's not an ACL. It's not a PCL. It's not some, oh, you got the surgery. It's corrected. It's fixed. It's mended. You got the time off. You did the rehab. You're coming back. This is just a thing that seems like it's going to linger for the rest of this guy's life. And so how is this guy supposed to just dominate for four rounds in a row against the best players in the world today? You know what I mean? And so that's just a long way of saying all of that stuff is kind of playing out this season. You know, Kawhi's out of the lineup. A lot of times we've seen some continuity issues where this team, Ty Lue, I'm somebody who's you know, basically made this guy into the red Arabic of, of modern basketball. Genius level coach Ty Lue, X and O's genius Ty Lue. Offense is what this guy does. And I looked this up right before I talked to you, Laudit. They're the 29th ranked offense in the NBA. Yeah. How did we get here 15 games in? Well, let me start with the offense because 29th is a compliment compared to some other things Ooh. you can look at. You know what I mean? I got a piece up Thursday morning at The Athletic, kind of looking at how this team, only the Hawks passed the ball fewer times per game, but the Atlanta Hawks also turned the ball over a fewer percentage of time compared to every other team in the league, which is the appropriate ratio. If you're not going to pass the ball, you shouldn't be turning it over, right? Mm -hmm. The Clippers, unfortunately, are a bottom five turnover team. (laughs) (laughs) Like, like, it's hard to do. That's a hard thing to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that is a dribble the ball off your shoe team, you know? And so that's not ideal. And this is already a team that, not that they're small, but they don't they don't really crash. They're not super athletic for like they're big at pretty much every position that they're that they line guys up at, but they're not super athletic. So outside of Zoo, no one's a threat on the offensive glass. When Zoo's out the game, no one, no one crashes the glass. They're too spaced out to do it. They're spaced out even though they are a bottom 10 or close to bottom 10 three-point shooting team right now, which that roster were even last year when they were also bad on offense, they were a top five, I think top three, maybe three point shooting team. Same as the year before Ty's first year. In 1920, I believe they might've set a record for a three point percentage in NBA history is how incredible they were at shooting the basketball and just offense generally. 
Yeah, that was 2021. That was Ty's yeah. first season as head coach. Right. And that's the home. That's supposed to be the home. This is a drive kick swing offense when it's operating the way it's supposed to. It, it's supposed to be paint touches, make the right mm-hmm. read, and then cash out. It's it's supposed to be at that simple. And it's a combination of just too many one-shot possessions and too many no-shot possessions. That's really it. The offense isn't that complicated as far as why it's not working. Now, can it work when Kawhi gets back? I think so, because Kawhi is not just a good shooter for himself and an improved decision maker, but Kawhi just does a good job of not turning the ball over. And that's Mm -hmm. such a big thing. Paul George's biggest flaw as a basketball player is his ball handling and decision making. I mean, man's had 10 turnovers Tuesday night in Dallas. And some of that you can chalk up to fatigue. He played the entire second half Mm. of the second night of a road back to back. I know that's tough. I can't even imagine what his usage percentage is compared to everybody else. I'm not looking at it. I'm I'm having a conversation with Waz. You know what I'm saying? I ain't, <laughs> I ain't worrying about the numbers right now. We can just talk about it. Man's had 10 turnovers and his last three cost him the game, basically. So that's been the biggest issue. Now, going back to that bubble team, I think the biggest difference between that team and the one now, I know that when it's your freshman year, you're going to make some mistakes. You're not. Mm-hmm. You're 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 not going to act yourself. This Clippers team, with that leadership, PG and Kawhi, they're in their senior year. So whereas that first year with you know when they were with Doc, there was an already established decorum in the locker room. Right? You had mm-hmm. Patrick Beverly there, Lou Will, yep. Montrezl Harrell. I would say that team was more talented than this team, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. But it clearly they weren't more cohesive, gotcha. and the leadership especially after that months-long hiatus due to the coronavirus pandemic and then going down to the bubble, team wasn't with it, right? This year, even before Kawhi's knee stiffened up, everyone talked about how it was important to stay together. Everyone talked about how often they got together over the offseason pretty much Mm. as soon as the season was over. I think the understanding that things would be hard was important for this team. So the, guess what? Things got hard pretty pretty early. <laughs> Literally, things got hard week two. Yeah. And I think the perspective, like Nicholas Batum, he said to me when they lost to the Suns that first Sunday of the season, that's the last night Kawhi played. Nico basically was like, uh, we're not going to be great. We're not going to do anything crazy until Christmas. And that was an eye-opener. I was like, Nico, you, you come again with that? And he's like... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a couple months. Again, before Kawhi had his knee injury, before they lost two straight games in Oklahoma City where garbage time was required to complete the game, you know? So the psyche of the team, I think, is in a as good a place as it can be for an eight and seven start with championship expectations and Kawhi not playing. That's not to say it's everything. They could still make a big trade. They could still go through some crazy stuff on the road. It's still early. Things can get worse. Wise, you know this. Well, that's, <laughs> it's LA that's, Clippers, man. But, but, <laughs> Clips gonna clip. Listen, their record is eight and seven. You know, I don't know that we could reasonably expect that this group, Sands, Kawhi Leonard, should be more than a five hundred team. 
I think there have been times in the past where they might have played over their heads without Kawhi in the lineup. But I think they're playing at their pace. And again, the 29th ranked offense only besting the Lakers who have historically bad shooting, right? Right. They're one of the worst shooting teams compiled ever to only be outpacing them only in the NBA. I think, you know, they've got to be better than that. I see Reggie Jackson, who I want to talk about, and Terrence Mann too, because they were part of that conference finals run in huge ways, specifically making shots, making threes. Reggie Jackson was making contested pull-up threes that damn playoffs. Like I was like, yeah. wait, this guy's a shooter now? Uh let me let me go check his uh he's shooting 29%. That's not that's not a thing that you want as an offense. And Terrence Mann, who nobody ever thought he was lights out. And I think Utah people was like, I told you we weren't playing bad defense when we left that dude open in the playoffs. He's shooting 22% from three to start. The season, and I think those guys, he's not a 22% shooter. I don't think Reggie's 29%, but I think those guys got to be much better in order for a lot of this stuff to work. Yeah, you can go right down the line, man. I mean, John Wall's at 25%. Sheesh. Like, that's like for a guy who's worked on, spent a year working on his shot, you know, that's obviously discouraging. Not just that, he's, he's at 59% from the free throw line. So, for one of the few guys who gets in line at a high rate, it's obviously been an adventure for him there. And he knows it. He keeps bringing up how he's shooting free throws like Shaq. So it's one of those things where it's just got to be, it's a mental thing when it's something like free throws. When it's something like three-pointers, they started slow last year and they evened up. So with someone like Terrence, Terrence is such a low-volume shooter anyway. It's it's like he needs to just shoot the damn ball. You know, and Terrence, he works hard on his game. He works on his shot. He's not what anyone would consider a natural shooter. But given the encouragement and the, I would say, the assurance that you're going to play, just shoot the ball, I think that he'll eventually ratchet up. Reggie is streaky. Reggie is just going <laughs> to, he has to shoot. Nobody's going to tell him. I mean, nobody. he doesn't yeah. need anybody to tell him to keep <laughs> Shooting. Yeah, he's he's going to keep shooting. Like, yeah. especially when Kawhi gets back, he's essentially a shooting guard. Yeah. He's a nominal starting point guard, but Reggie's role is to eventually knock down some of these shots. And I, I do think the more time he gets with guys like Kawhi, he'll be better. Like, Reggie's at 94% from the free throw line, for example. It's not All like right. his shots broke. He just, he's had more bad games than good games so far. He's had some good games. And then you got Norm... Again, Norm was supposed to be the kind of player who microwave you would thought, wing depth, yeah, all of that. Yeah, like he he was supposed to be the over the top guy. He struggled with his shot. Twelve points a game. That is just not a Norm Powell. That's not what you expect, especially with Kawhi out of the lineup. Like this guy, yeah. you know, he's a borderline twenty points per game at decent efficiency type of score. That's who he's been even since the Toronto days. And he just hasn't been able to get it going himself either. Right. So when you look, that's a large bulk of minutes, Mm -hmm. given the guys who are basically sub 30% from three, Mm -hmm. but you're also thinking, okay, look, you're probably not going to shoot that poorly over the course of an entire season. Give them another month or two and let's see where their percentages are at. But they're, you know, objectively, they're off to bad starts. But 
they can figure it out too. The NBA season is underway and it's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. Plus, FanDuel is the only sports book that's giving all customers three months of NBA league pass when they make a $5 bet on the NBA. A bet that I can just give you guys for free. This comes out on a Friday, Friday night games. I like the Sixers favored at home Minus two against the Milwaukee Bucks. James Harden is down, and the Sixers have sort of found an organizing principle for their offense again. It all flows through Embiid. He dropped 60 the other night as a result of it. I like the way the Sixers have their juju back because of the Harden sidelining. Give me the Sixers minus two at home against the Milwaukee Bucks. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. You can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. Plus, with live betting, you'll get updated odds on games that have already started. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. So download FanDuel today and use promo code RINGERNBA to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's promo code RINGERNBA. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel, official sportsbook of the NBA. 21 older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable with free bets that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problems? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Minnesota, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Virginia, 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next step to 53342 in Arizona, 188-789-7777, or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700, or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, 18778 Hope NY or text Hope NY in New York, Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee, 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. This episode is supported by State Farm. Man, I remember when I first got into a car accident, it was pure frustration because I did not have State Farm. And now that I do have State Farm, it is an exclamation of pure joy. But the only words that you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. It's 3 p.m. and dinner is still hours to come. Maybe lunch didn't quite hit the spot. That's where the new two-for-five-dollar chicken wraps from Arby's come in. Available in ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for the afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. 
Arby's two for five dollar chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. So we've gone long enough in this damn podcast, man, before talking about the damn elephant in the room, which is Kawhi Leonard's knee. What in the hell is going on? It's not as if the Clippers have always been, let's call it the most forthright about Kawhi and the injury situation. It's always this caginess around this guy's bodily maintenance. What do you know as somebody who's with the team damn near every day? What do you know that you feel confident that you could say about Kawhi's injury? Well, look, this is a taping on Thursday and he's upgraded to questionable and supposed to possibly play. And the thing is, when they were in Oklahoma City week two, he wanted to play. He reported stiffness and the team thought, you know what, we're going to send you home. And we're going to get this right. And it reminds me of Marcus Morris, who when Marcus started last season, he did not participate in training camp. The Clippers did not explicitly tell us that he didn't go through training camp practices until basically the start of the season. It's like, well, Marcus is starting. He, you know, we took it easy on him, right? Because you remember they made the conference finals. It was only what two, three months in between, <laughs> like the start of the next season after that. Yes, and yes, yes. Marcus's knees didn't handle that well, so Marcus he plays these two games to start the year. He's moving terribly, shooting terribly, in foul trouble, can't defend nobody. So they sat him down, and they didn't bring him back till thirty-one days later. I've immediately thought of that when Kawhi was was gotcha. parked and they said, so you know you what, were he's not going with stiffness. by this approach that they took? Nah, because I've seen it. Because I've seen, I've been covering the Clippers, man. <laughs> you gotcha. know what I'm saying? And so with Kawhi, it's like, okay, he tore his ACL. It was a partial tear, but he tore it. So that means that you're going to have basically the same surgery to repair it. You need to reconstruct the, the ligament. And he was fortunate to have all of last year to focus on the rehab. The Clippers didn't make the playoffs, so there was no, you know, there was no pressure to come back for playoff games while they were in the playoffs. Like Kawhi said himself that the Clippers would have needed to like make the finals for him to come back. And so that gives you an idea of the time. Kawhi doesn't play basketball in the offseason. Like he doesn't play five on five or anything like that. He does his skill work. He works on his body. I think everyone saw this offseason what his body looked like. Dude, man's was swole. Jacked, man. And probably too jacked was. That's what he I, was probably I, I've too seen jacked. that pushback that he probably might have gotten too big and putting too much pressure on his knees and joints and stuff like that. I've I've heard that criticism for sure. Right. And you know, the intention that Kawhi had to build out like that is to protect the knee, ironically, to mm. protect from contact resulting in injury. And so now you got the other side of it where he had some stiffness. The team parked him so that they could strengthen his knee while dealing with this stiffness. It's taken 25 days. We're, we're probably going to see him Thursday night against the Pistons, if not Thursday night then it'll be very interesting to see him come back Saturday against Greg Popovich's Spurs. Huh. Uh, so, so there's that. But it's all about managing the fact that this dude hasn't played NBA basketball since June of 2021. 
And there's just a process of coming back physically, especially when you are the star of the team, especially when you're not coming back to be Kendrick Perkins, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're coming no, back no disrespect to, to Perk, but you're coming you back ain't. to facilitate offense. You're co- coming exactly. back to be the engine of what happens on this team's offense. And let's face it, you play a premium position, you're going to be guarding some of the best wings in the NBA as well. So, like, there's no kind of taking it easy here for Kawhi when he comes back. And, okay, I I do want to ask you, though, it feels like they should address the center position. You mentioned that up top. However, I think Ty Lue, actually, I know Ty Lue's vision of this team when they're at their best, they're a five-out team. They're spreading people out against Kawhi and Paul George isolations, which is, to be quite honest, that's deadly. (laughs) <laughs> that, that That is deadly offense for sure. I, like, you know, God knows what they'll be able to do on defense, but that is incredible offense. And I think Ty Lue fancies himself as an offensive-minded coach, but do they make a move? What kind of move do they make, to your mind, to shore up that front court? Honestly, it would be, it would be surprising if the Clippers really took out their wing depth to add a center, mm. especially if a center who is relatively paint-bound gotcha. just just because. Like, mm. I don't think they really are concerned about that part of it. And honestly, they've played fine enough with Zubats off the floor. Like, they're actually a little bit better with Zoo off the floor. And they learned that if they really needed a center, like if Zoo's in extreme foul trouble, Zoo's one of the most durable players in the league, but like, let's say something happens... They're, they're going to just roll Moses Brown out there just to get through a night or whatever. If they are in a real dangerous situation, I think they would probably utilize their last roster spot to sign any one of those bigs that are available. But, you know, 10-day contracts, they don't start until January. I don't think they're, they're going to hope that they don't need to, you know, cash that chip in until much later. Again, the buyout market is always a possibility if – a really good player is available that makes sense for this team at the trade deadline because they just played a certain way in January where it's like they need to make a move and Lawrence Frank always makes a move. There hasn't been a single January or February Mm -hmm. that that man has not made a a trade, a significant one too, like a veteran trade, then I think they'll they'll go around with it. I've, I've seen the Miles Turner thing bounce around this week. And the thing with Miles is, how are you going to play Miles and and Zoo? Nah, that's you know? not a thing that can happen. Like, I don't. I, I, <laughs> not I just, if you play on scoring. <laughs> I just don't. I just don't think that the Clippers value this the center position enough to be like, okay, we're going to pull two centers <laughs> when we got to make big runs in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to be surprised by anything this damn team does, but it's just one of those things where they want to see this work out. And part of it working out is Kawhi being able to string some damn weeks together. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, in the meantime of making this happen, I'm just, I just remain skeptical that you can build championship habits over the course of a season when your best guy is playing intermittently. And in the playoffs, that's not going to cut it. Like, you're just literally going to have to carry these guys for four rounds if you're going to win a championship. And it's just... I don't know, man. The more this guy is not a part of what they're doing, it seems hard to envision that happening. But, you know, we've been pretty dour 
on this show so far about the Clippers. Paint the picture for people out there for how this might work. Spin it positively. How we you could you could see a scenario of it working in. What does that version of the Clippers look like? Well, I'll tell you what, the defense has been great. And I know anything related to how they're performing or what their objective output is colored by the fact that they've gotten the Rockets and Lakers five times already. (laughs) So there's that. But the thing that I like about the Clippers is they know who they are on that end of the floor. They know that they're not going to foul you and send you to the line. They're going to make the threes difficult for you. They're having some issues with corner threes, but for the most part, they do a good job defending the three and they're they're doing an outstanding job protecting the rim. Like if it's a Zubas has been great there. And even when they go small, they do a pretty good job of keeping teams from having a lot of success at the rim. I mean, that's threes, twos and ones. That's pretty damn good. The rebounding on the defensive end. I mean, they don't offensive rebound at all. But the rebounding on the defensive end has been much better than last year. Last year, it was this was one of the most god-awful rebounding teams I've ever seen on both ends of the floor. This year, they are doing a better job on the defensive glass, so they're making their stops count a little bit more. And so that's all without Kawhi Leonard as well. That is really helpful. Uh, I think they have a really outstanding defensive staff. Now, what they might want to start I know we were supposed to be staying positive here, but I want to see when they play when they play high scores, I do think they overreact a little bit too much to them. I think when you're playing against a guy like Luca, it's like, yeah, you know he can score. I think they did a little bit too much overreacting to Luca and let guys get open threes. Uh, Reggie Bullock went from broke to rich in the fourth quarter in a game that the Clippers almost completed a 25-point comeback. Gotcha. That would have been crazy, but that was a reaction to, you know, they didn't want Luca to go off on him. Well, Luca didn't. Luca made one shot that whole fourth quarter. Got you. That previous Saturday, Kevin Durant is like, they were like, we're going to double KD. Well, they double KD and wind up getting beat by Seth Curry. So overall, though, th- there's a bunch of guys on this team who know what they're supposed to do. And the chemistry has been really good. Like there's not, there hasn't been a whole lot of murmuring about what the situation is. Everyone's kind of, locked in right now. They just need to play better. There you go. Uh, Sometimes this, you know, (laughs) I want to get up here and get all intellectual and philosophical about the game of hoop and maybe there's a strategy they're not deploying. Maybe there's a lineup change, you know, a rotational tweak that they're not deploying that can make things better. Sometimes it's just play better. (laughs) It's just the, that's the adjustment. That's my man Seth Partner likes to say. Play better is the adjustment. And so, yeah, that that's the thing. Their offense is in the is in the pits, but this is not a team that is bereft of offensive talent. And so we expect that to get better. They've shown some, some grit and some metal on defense. So, yeah, I think they'll play much better than they have, even as ugly as it's looked. But I did want to get your perspective on it because I think you are the most locked-in Clippers person in the media. That being said, man, where can people find your work and, and follow what you're doing, bro? I'm at The Athletic and... Was you know, great. We we got a great staff over there, so really happy that they're supporting me, letting me do this thing. And yeah, we're gonna just keep it rolling. 
Yes, sir. That's my man, Law Murray. I would like to thank Jade Whaley, big Clippers fan, <laughs> on the production. I hope she wasn't too disheartened by our chat today. Make sure you're checking every other Ringer NBA offering, whether it be The Answer or Real Ones. Of course, group chats with me and Justin Verrier, as well as Rob Mahoney on Wednesdays, man. We're still delivering on the holidays, man. We don't play around. We, we deliver the content for the people. So we'll see you guys all throughout next week. We'll see you next time. Peace out. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today.